The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, my good friend, Greg Smith. Greg, hello. How are you? Hello, I am very well. Happy to be back and fist pumping uh, during the welcome to. It is spring football. It is not spring weather outside. <laughs> How have you enjoyed the first, was it week, week and a half of uh, football again? It's it's really odd to be doing covering spring football and to be a couple of weeks into it with snow on the ground. Um, outside of that being jarring, it's good to have football back um, because there's just so much newness um, with this team. Like it's it's a weird thing is that I feel like when we talk to Scott Frost, like it's a lot of the same kind of stuff that he says. Otherwise, it, it's also new, which has made it a, a pretty interesting and different spring so far. What's the most um, what's the storyline that has kind of piqued your interest the most or, or sort of grabbed you the most and you find yourself thinking about throughout hours of the day? Man, pro- right now it's probably the defensive back room and what's happening with that. Um, in a good way, that is the good one. I have a good and a bad one. Um, is, that's the good one that, that keeps me thinking about because uh, I just think that Travis Fisher has done a really nice job of putting puzzle pieces together or trying to bring those pieces together um, to make you know a starting four, which I think is going to be potentially surprising um, to some when that eventually comes to pass. Um, and then the other thing that has me kind of up in thinking about things on a bad side is the defensive line. Like I have no idea how they're going to make that defense of line work um, given the inexperience, the combination of inexperience, and then two guys that you feel good about that still need to elevate their play in Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers. Casey also needs to be able to stay out there. Um, and then a whole bunch of question marks besides them. Um, that to me is gonna, could end up being a problem. And I always say this, that they're going to just have to go into the portal to get more guys there. That is uh, the most remarkable segue into what we're going to talk about. It's almost like you actually are a podcaster yourself. I have you on today to talk about the defense. I talked to Steve Mark last week about specifically quarterbacks um, and then the way that Scott Frost and Mark Whipple are kind of interacting. So so that podcast is out there over on the offensive side of the ball. Go listen to that one. Um, like I said, Greg should be a podcaster. He has his own podcast. Go listen to it. The Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Give it a listen. Give it a subscribe. Uh, give it a five-star review, do all that extra stuff on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. There's also several other Hail Varsity podcasts that you can get. Go to hailvarsity.com backslash network to find those. Also subscribe to the website so that you can make sure that you're reading everything that Greg is writing, reading everything that Steve is writing, and everybody else from the Hail Varsity team, hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe to get that stuff. Greg, I said we're going to talk about the defense. Um they have a bunch to replace. I was reading through something 
yesterday that was kind of talking about all of the sixth year seniors that were on the team last year that are gone guys that were key key players at every level of the defense and then in the next the next line it lists the sixth year seniors that are back for this team on the defense and you had guys like Damian Jackson and Itava Maga Clemens so like you have experience back with your defense but it ain't the same kind of experience you had a year ago and they got all of these holes to replace and you started with the defensive backs so we'll start there um Quentin Newsom is, you know, I guess by default, the, the safest bet in, in the defensive backfield. Um, what do you make of the Buford chatter that has kind of cropped up in spring ball, that he could play safety, um, that Travis Fisher really likes him? Travis Fisher is one of those guys where if he starts, you know, heaping praise onto a player, he's one of the assistant coaches that I'm going to be like, okay, I feel good about feeling good about this player what do, what do you make of the the Buford buzz yeah I, I make that Buford is is making every attempt to be one of those starting safeties this year um and there was a lot of talk coming into this spring um and I think I actually may have written about this uh, that one of the key questions for the defense was kind of figuring out what they were going to do with Buford is at that point you kind of had a guy that was a really good story as a gunner as a true freshman last year that kind of made some hay in that role but then what were you going to do with him in the full-time defense was he going to play corner was he going to play safety and right away way um, in that very first uh, assistant roundtable that we had Travis Fisher not only called him his hidden gym um, and now he's not a hidden gym anymore Travis because he keeps talking about him all the time like every time we talk to Travis Fisher he mentions him so he's no longer hidden uh, but he called him his hidden gym he said that he was exclusively playing at safety and he kind of explained why he said that even though you would not think as at his size that he would be a guy Buford that would be playing safety he's fearless and that he will come down and strike um, and he has no problem doing that and his speed at that position gives him a lot of different things that you can do with him. So then the next, I think the next week, we end up talking to Buford and he could not have been more mature for his age. Um, you definitely could tell that that was a guy that spent a lot of time in the film room um, and that had earned kind of the accolades that you had been hearing about him both publicly and privately. So I think that he's on his way uh, to being one of those starters in the defensive backfield, which if you start to think about it, if, if now, if, if as of right now on Friday, March 11th, 11th at 10.09 a.m. when we're recording this, if, I'm, if we're uh, accepting Quentin Newsom as the safest bet at cornerback, and I, that's very safe to assume. And I think that Buford has one of those starting safety spots um, potentially on lock. There are only two more starting spots and it starts to get really tight there. And that competition is really stiff. Um, but I definitely think that Buford's putting himself in position uh, to be a starter this year. So they've got some interesting stuff. If if Newsom retains the the one corner spot, they've got interesting stuff going on with the other corner spot because they've got a couple of guys um, like Braxton Clark, who's been around for quite a bit and has been talked up quite a bit, but has struggled to stay on the field with with, with injuries. They've got Tyreek Johnson, who was a really high profile transfer from last year, uh, but then they've also got like Om the Omar Brown kid from Northern Iowa. They've got Tommy Hill from Arizona State. Um, they've got the Gould kid who's on campus, the freshman. Yeah. I, I guess like, what would you do with that other spot? 
Um, well, first, I, I would let the competition play out because you're. I think the Omar Brown missing for spring, at least for now, I don't know if he's missing the entire spring, but he is out right now, um, is a key factor in this. But it, it gives it to makes it to where the other guys that you name are going to get plenty of reps. The thing, and it's funny that, that you asked me this because um, the Big Red Recon has not come out yet. Uh, I do have a note in there about this very situation. I think that, and I hear that Tommy Hill. Um, the Arizona State uh, defensive back transfer is making a strong push for that other starting corner spot or starting safety spot, excuse me, safety corner. I can't talk. Starting corner spot opposite Quentin Newsom. So I think that he's having a strong showing. He's a guy that we know that Travis Fisher in Nebraska liked a lot coming out of high school. Um, he went to Arizona State, wasn't able to visit Nebraska during the COVID year. Um, and so I think that that's a big part of why he ended up at Arizona State. If you know what happened at Arizona State with those illegal visits, that makes sense. Um, um, and so I think he's a guy that's going to get every opportunity to start opposite Quentin Newsom. But there is a lot of competition. I don't know what you do with Omar Brown because I know that people are really high on him as well. Is there a candidate at safety to slide down to corner? Uh, well, surprisingly, um, if you listen to Travis Fisher, Deshaun Singleton. Um, Deshaun Singleton is a guy that um, everyone kind of pegged as someone who could be in the mix uh, coming out of JUCO to play safety right away for Nebraska. Um, but Travis Fisher said he could also work at corner. I, the one thing, and it's funny because you noted that when Travis Fisher, he's praised on someone that you definitely pay attention to. You kind of you don't have to take that with a grain of salt. The one thing I think you do sometimes have to take with a grain of salt is his talk about how many different positions guys can play um, just because of the fact that he talks so much about cross-training everyone um, so I'll be curious if Deshaun Singleton actually ends up sliding down to safety uh, or if he stays at, at safety the way that you know most they the position they recruited him for this is why when you get tongue-tied and you and you, and you swap corner and safety in your brain just blame it on Travis Fisher because he's constantly doing that all the time all he's, the time. he's conditioning you to just to just <laughs> view them as interchangeable positions he would be proud um i've got the pff numbers for nebraska last year pulled up right now cam taylor Britt on 66 targets only allowed 35 receptions he was a really good lockdown corner for nebraska last year do they have a candidate on the team right now in in your evaluation greg smith march 11th as you said to to fully replace that because one of the interesting storylines with this defense i think is they've got guys, and we'll get to the nickel in a second because I think this is also true there. They've got guys that can replace bits and pieces of what studs did on the defense last year, but I don't know if they have guys that can that can step into roles and do like everything that a guy like Cam Taylor Britt or a guy like JoJo Doman did last year. Do in your evaluation, do they have a lockdown corner right now? That is, that's a perfect way to describe it. No, I, I don't think that they do. And I don't want to, and I don't want that to be a sound like a knock on Clinton Newsom or Hill or Omar Brown or any of those guys, uh, Braxton Clark, anyone. I just, uh, to be able to say that one of those guys is a, is a shutdown corner right now, I think we would have needed to see it a little bit more. Like, I think that Clinton Newsom is on his way. And I think that he's, I guess, uh, if I had to like go out on a limb, I would say that he is the closest to that. And if he continues, his development that kind of started last year and I thought that he was pretty good last year he's got a shot to do that but I think your part about the bits and pieces is dead on on that too because I don't know that he's the same athlete at corner that Cam Taylor Britt is 
Um, but I but I wonder just how that's going to go because we talked last year about how right away teams were going at Newsom really hard, right? And I thought that he held up pretty well. But will he get that same level of attention this year? Will teams still go at him or will teams automatically go away? Like, will they just kind of balance it out? Like, that'll be interesting to see. Then I think to your point, someone's going to have to just prove it before they before teams have to adjust to that. Yeah, part. I mean, part of this is just like the natural progression of a team, right? Like you yeah. build up a player like Ham Taylor Britt and then he leaves for the league and you got to replace that guy. And if you've got a really good player, like we think Cam Taylor Britt was a really good player, it's not easy to replace that guy. Um, so like, and, and two, you know, it's like, like we've said multiple times now, it's early in March. Like we still got, you know, however many months, five months, however many months before the season starts. So you got plenty of time to, to continue developing. Um, Quentin Newsom was targeted 69 times last year, gave up 44 receptions. Average depth of target was 11 yards. Like teams are going at him. Um, they were testing him and, you know, it, it, as a young player, he played with confidence always. It never really seemed like his confidence was, was shaken or he was like, ah, teams keep throwing at me. Why are they doing that? It was always like, no, nope, I'm, I'm ready. Keep throwing it at me. And that's kind of the mentality that, that you want to see in a corner. Um, let's move to nickel. Because this is the most fascinating thing to me. They've got Chris Kolarovich playing nickel with Isaac Gifford and with Javin Wright. And those are three, those are three distinctly different players at that spot. And if you take the best parts of each of their games and mash them together, that player that you get is Jojo Doman. But individually, they are not that player. Um, and so, you know, to hear Chenander talking about, you know, it's obviously a piece of their defense that, that they really like that they're going to continue to, to feature in their defense moving forward. It gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, it gives them that ability to be super multiple the way Chenander likes the way I kind of interpreted Kolarovich moving down to nickel from line, well, not moving down, but moving over to nickel from linebacker, um, is that, you know, one of the things that Doman was really good at at that position was when the play was coming his way, setting the edge, pushing things back inside. And when he was the backside guy, pursuit and chasing down the ball here, he was just really good at it. Athleticism, length, he was a strong player for them at, at what they wanted to do with that position. Um, Kalarv, if, if, if they've got Kalarovich now kind of moving over to that role, maybe that signals that they don't feel as strongly about a guy like Isaac Gifford or Javin Wright playing that specific kind of role. Because, you know, Kalarovich in coverage last year was not great. Uh, guys to play 10 coverage snaps for Nebraska last year. He had the 12th uh, best PFF grade. Um he just he's not the kind of of coverage guy that Jojo Doman was. I mean, Doman had a safety background. And Shenander has talked about a guy like Javin Wright, who has a corner background, that'll help him in coverage. But he just got here and he just kept growing. And they're like, well, we got this six foot four corner now. Like, what are we going to do with him? Um, so if you can kind of piece together, you know, he plays 
coverage snaps or Isaac Gifford plays coverage snaps and then Chris Kalarovich plays run snaps, like maybe like, what do you, what do you make of, of Kalarovich moving from, you know, middle backer out to, to nickel? You, do you, do you, do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. And I think that it's a difficult, I think that it's going to be a difficult transition because all of the, all the talk when we talked to Chris uh, this, this week was about his coverage skills and about him trying to get used to uh, being out in coverage and to his um, credit, he said he's been working really hard on it. <laughs> he said that he uh, has worked a lot with Omar Manning and Thomas Fedoni one on one to try to figure that out. Like, I would love to see the clips of that uh, because talk about a learning experience, uh, but that's good um, to try and do it. But I, I, I just think that it, being able to do everything that Doman did, and I thought this before we kind of heard about Kalarovich being a guy that moved to that spot, I just always thought that they were going to have to piecemeal this. Like, And I think that spring is definitely the time to see if they have a guy that can do all of them, and maybe that's your first option. Your first option, if you're Chenander, is to say, hey, you three guys, Kalarovich, Gifford, and Wright, like we're going to give you guys like everything you can handle to see if you can prove to us that you can be the guy at that spot knowing in the back of your mind, if your chins that, hey, maybe I'm going to have to actually just piecemeal this and do when it's run situations. like And, and, and this is not uncommon. This is the more common version of this, right? Yeah. And run situations and Kalarvich is out there and he's helping set that edge. And he's a guy um, that can help us in run support. And that is definitely going to need to be a thing um, against some teams in the Big Ten. And then against other teams in the Big Ten, you're going to see Isaac Gifford or Javen Wright, whichever one kind of steps up in that role in more of a coverage situation. Um, but but I do find it, I think that it's interesting that uh, Kalarovich could be that guy. Because if you remember, was it this time last year about when they released those testing numbers, when that was back and they were releasing all of that, he was really high and a lot of those just raw athleticism things we didn't necessarily see that in games when it came to coverage skills and maybe that's because he was just uncomfortable doing that at that point because he was still coming from playing inside linebacker versus spending an entire offseason working on those coverage drops and the different things that you have to do there um so i do so i find it interesting i just wonder if they're going to have to piecemeal it yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I think I wrote something about it around the time of like Big Ten Media Days last year, where they felt like they had linebackers that could really move. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, if you feel that way, I mean, Kolarovich is is pretty similar in terms of of size to Doman. If you you know if you feel feel like he can move pretty well and and he's growing in comfort out there, then you know then go for it. And the other thing too is it gives you um, a little bit of insurance at the position. Because you know somebody like Wright has has struggled to stay healthy through a season. Um, if you can just have multiple guys there, you know you you know you it gives you insurance. Like I said, gives you insurance. Um, and, and you have a and you have a pipeline of that, right? So now, if like say it is Kalarvich and he can hold down most of what you're doing, those other two guys are really young, right? And so they can also just kind of build natural more naturally into that role. Because I think it's Kalarvich, what sixth year in college football, so it, like he's just going to pick things up at a different rate um, than those other two guys too. Yeah. Let's let's slide down in the defensive line. One of the areas that you you caution maybe caution is the right word to use um casey rogers is not going to be available you know what are you doing like (laughs) like what are you what are you doing at that 
how does Nash how does Nash Huttmacher look? Let's start there. How does Nash <laughs> Huttmacher look? That's going to be such a, a huge question here. And he's gonna, he has to be ready. Like there is just there's no way around that. Um, and and for how much um, like like I talked about him and how much people have been so excited, like talk about it during the recruiting process and how excited people have been to get him on the field and to see him um, in action. Like he's going to be a really key component to what happens because you just you need at least you need him and probably one other guy to really stay, take step steps forward to be in the rotation um because that would just help so much with, with what Nebraska is doing. Like you're, you're going to, if you feel good, like, and you should uh, and from a play standpoint about Robinson and Rogers, got to keep Rogers healthy, but Robinson and Rogers, you feel good about. And then you, if Puckmacher can come around and can give you rotational snaps on the interior with the way that I think they're playing those defensive ends uh, with Nelson, basically being a hand in the dirt guy and Caleb Tanner kind of bouncing around like you, it's really a problem of how many interior guys do you have right now there just aren't a lot of bodies right now um Masai Newsom he's small smaller smaller to play on the inside more of an end but who who who's I guess who would be the next candidate because like I'm looking at the uh you know looking at the scholarship breakdown yeah uh looking at the scholarship <laughs> breakdown uh, you know uh Jalen Weaver is is pretty big Ruquan Buckley, maybe, you know. Well, I do think I think Buckley could could be a guy to, but it but it might be a year early. Like that's the thing is you need someone ready now. Like I think that Buckley could. I like Buckley's long term potential, but we're still talking about long term. I still think he's probably a year away unless there's some some rapid development. Colton Feist is the guy, like not a scholarship guy, but that's a name that continues to come up. Um, and he played well, start was starting to get some run last year uh, before his injury. Like I just, there's not enough guys there. And like, I think the caution really is the thing, um, the right word to use there. So they, so what they would do last year was they would kick their two ends inside and they bring the, they walk their two edge rushers up and they'd have kind of that, that, four-man front but they wouldn't have a traditional nose tackle on the field um let me give you let me give you i'll give you four names pick two blaze gunnerson jamari but blaze my guy blaze gunnerson who, who i saw changed his number to the 90s so he's 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 about ready to make an impact um as a pass rusher blaze gunnerson Jamari Butler, Marquise Black, and Ruquan Buckley. And I'm picking two to Pick play two. this year. Yeah. Uh, the first two, Gunnarsson and Butler. Okay. I think that Butler is going to – I think Butler is going to get on the field this year and surprise people. Um, and I think that Gunnarsson – like, and really the question for him is health. Like, as long as he's healthy, I think that he's going to be a productive football player for Nebraska. Um, and you started to see a little bit of flashes of that last year. Um, and I think that Butler has really, like, matured and, and is, like, ready to make an impact or at least, like, get out there and play. Um, so I think those two. But at the same – but those are two guys – and I think it actually works really well just kind of in how they're, it's going to sequence. I think those are two guys that slot in behind Nelson and Tanner and I think that that's the perfect situation for those guys to be too that can spell them 
and can do the exact same thing, that, the exact thing that you just mentioned, where when they walk those two guys down and have them essentially as 4-3 defensive ends, you have Jamari Butler who can do exactly what Tanner did. You have Gunnarsson as someone who can do a lot of the things that Nelson does, um, and that works very well. Um, and then you kick those other guys into the inside, Rodgers and, and Robinson. How have you have you gotten a chance to to see B- Butler yet? I have not room? put eyes on him yet. No. So he's listed at six foot five, two hundred forty five pounds. He was a a bit lighter when when he got here. Yeah. What is he? I mean, does he look? I, I guess if you haven't seen him, like I that that would be one of my questions: Is he physically ready to play that edge rushing outside linebacker type? in this defense against the big 10 like is he just physically ready because he's still a young guy yeah he is still a young guy um so yeah that would be the big question is is he able to physically hold up um yeah i would be curious to see (laughs) to see what he looks like um it'd be nice if we could you know get to a practice and see something there we go uh let's let's request nebraska's uh, sports information department (laughs) to get a personal viewing with jamari butler see what he looks like defensively i think 247 listed him at at uh, 215 pounds as a freshman. Um, that's light for an outside linebacker. It is. But it he's is, been here. Which is about, but, but remember that it's about what Caleb Tanner was. Well, that's more, if, if that's accurate, that's more than what Caleb Tanner weighed when he got here. Well, I mean, Caleb Tanner right now, I believe is listed. Let me scroll up. He's, he's listed at 225, Caleb Tanner is. So, I mean, he's still, he's still a lean guy. Yeah. Um, so they got, you know, they got different kinds of of body types at that position. He's still only But it's guy. interesting that you would think that that if if those weights are accurate, and probably either way, you're probably looking at a situation where Butler probably does weigh more than Caleb Tanner. He's two inches taller though, a bit longer. Yeah. So yeah. that might balance it out. But I mean, you know, you don't want those dudes weighing 280 pounds. Like you don't want them to be no. Ben Stilley looking guys. Um, no, I'll do, I'll do respect to Ben Stilley. He's a hoss, but like at that, yeah, at that position, you want your guys to be athletic and, and, you know, be able to beat some people off the edge. So yeah, I, you know, Jamari Butler will be, will be interesting. Cause I, I believe he got some, um, some attention from Chenander early on. in yeah, spring ball. Is I that correct? Both, I think both Chenander and Frost, possibly have mentioned him actually so yeah i think that's a great sign but again like it's funny the the optimism though and the the where you're like oh okay i can see that are guys on the edge of the defense our defensive ends and that's why i think that we it's going to be such an interesting thing going forward because we talk so much and it's still true that nebraska needs to add pass rush right they've got to find pass rush whether it's guys on the roster whether it's guys in the portal but very quietly and now it's going to not be it's now it's becoming not so quietly nebraska needs help on the interior of that defense they probably need both they probably need one guy um from the portal to play on the inside like an older guy that you know you can just get snaps out of and someone on the edge as well did ethan piper play both ways when he was in high school he did he can't he was initially signed as a defensive lineman he was quickly got moved to the offensive line yeah if uh if things don't work out at center is that is that something you do or do you go to the transfer portal first? I think you go to the portal first because what if Piper is going to be one of your guards? That's really fascinating actually though. Like I think that that's a, like the more I, like the more I think about it, the more I kind of like the mix on the offensive line. And then you did like, yeah, we hear talk defense, but I kind of like the, the mix that's going on the offensive line. We can talk offensive line real fast. Why? 
Why do you like the mix? Because I think that if you can, it, it, so much of it is dependent on the center. Like if you can get, if it's Hickson um, who has been working there, if it's Corcoran who they really continue to mention as someone who can go inside and play center, even though he would be big for a center. But the thing that I get, have gotten pushed back on um, is that he's got really sweet feet and he's a really good athlete and could play center. Um, so that's why they keep mentioning him. Um, so if it's one of those two, then you have the other guy that could potentially be a guard, but then you've also got Ethan Piper, you've got Newelli, you've got Lutowski, right? All of those guys kind of battling for two spots on the on the interior guard, really one, because Newelli is going to hold down one of them. And then, you know, you get Teddy back at left tackle. You probably need to find one more tackle, but then you also have Bryce Benhart, who no one talks about anymore. And I think that he is the single, like, guy, the biggest guy that, stands to benefit from having a new coach. I think that uh, like a new set of eyes and like some fire lit under his butt would be really beneficial for Bryce Benhart if he takes to that. Because there, I just don't have an explanation for how we went from freshman Bryce where you're like, oh, he was holding it down over there and was pretty good to what we saw last year. Like, I just don't understand that. Well, and as frustrating as it is to go through a season like that, if you are a high profile recruit who immediately upon arriving on campus, everybody wants to see you play and wants to see you play over the, the, the veteran guy that is ahead of you on the depth chart to get onto the field and suck, frankly, and lose your spot. I mean, it's not a bad situation to be in right now where no one's talking about you because right now there should be motivation there. <laughs> the situation Ben Hart is in, like some people have moved on. Some people are ready to move on and, and see what else, what else they have there. And so if you're Ben Hart, there's in a, in a way there's how much pressure is left, not a ton. Right. So now it's really just about work. It's really just about the work and you've got a new offensive line coach. So, you know, it's not a it's not a bad situation to be in. And you've got competition that came in too. Like we you know Hunter Anthony, Kevin Williams Jr. coming in um to push those guys as well. Like I, I still maintain it. I don't know which one it would be. I would lean Williams right now. One of the I feel like the overall thought when those two guys came to Nebraska was, oh, those are nice depth pieces. Like there'll be backups and, and if someone goes down, um, they'll be able to slide in. One of those guys I just feel like is going to end up pushing to, to start. Like, I think one of them is going to end up surprising people. Um, I just don't, I can't peg which one I think it is. So the extra competition, I think will also help, could help Ben Hart as well. Like his story, I'm really interested in this spring. Yeah. And you know, it's just, yeah, me too. Same, same him and Corcoran, both Um, Corcoran on the interiors is very interesting. Um, Back to the defense rank these positions in terms of transfer portal need okay. interior defensive lineman okay. defensive end pass rusher so outside linebacker pass rusher safety i'd say interior defensive lineman pass rusher defensive end gap safety Okay. That's how I would go. Do you feel good about where they're at, at in terms of their their linebacker depth? Uh, that one's it's getting trickier. So I don't. 
Yes and no. So I, I like where it's going of the outside linebacker, which is so interesting to, to think about, given like all the talk about needing that kind of hybrid pass rusher. And I just listed pass rusher as the number two thing because I just think they need a guy that can go get, you know, five or six sacks. Even if we put that low of a number and just hit six sacks, like that would just be a really big deal for this defense, I think. Um, but the thing that's kind of creeping up the concern meter, I guess, or the ladder is inside linebacker. Um, and it's a depth situation. I, I mean, if healthy, Henrich and Reimer are, are, are once again going to be 100 tackle type players, right? And that's what they basically were last year. And I think they'll be better or could be better this year. The problem is, is that both of them have extensive injury history. Reimer is out right now. The guy behind them, Garrett Snodgrass, is also out right now for the spring. Um, and so you're there's a little bit of a gap there and just experience depth. You've got some guys that you feel really good about that are young. And I think can really end up being good players here. Um, Gabor, um, Kapai, like those guys, uh, Ba Clements. Like I think that those guys could end up, you know, helping the team. But I just think that that depth there is a little concerning once you get past that top group. What about Houseman and Seth Malcolm? I think that Houseman long term is going to be really good. I'm concerned about Malcolm, uh, but I'm like it, that's just a it's a big jump coming from Iowa eight man football to like playing Big Ten football. I think that you're still looking at a long term project there. But I think that Houseman, um, man, I, I, it's funny. I did the big feature story on him um, a couple of months back for the magazine, and so I've gotten close with his family. He put on eight pounds. Um, and like the span of 10 days or something like that, 14 days, something crazy like that. Well, when he first got here to Nebraska, and one of the things that he was really talking about is, is that he got here, got into a college weightlifting program, obviously, but then the nutrition, it like kind of opened up his world um, to start to learn about like fueling your body and those sort of things. And that's exactly what happens when these guys early enroll, especially when you're a kid like him that really wants to learn and craves being better. Um, so I'm really high on him long-term. That was a side note, um, but I think it'll be good long-term. Hey, I don't think that adding 10 pounds or eight pounds in 10 days is something to brag about because, you know, I did that when I got to Chicago. It's not that big a deal, Greg. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not exactly sure that it's similar. Um, it's, well, similar. It ain't the same. Um, but we'll see. I don't know, man. You might, your guns are growing. We'll see. It, it, well, it was Geno's. It was Geno's that did it. <laughs> Geno's and, and Luminati's. There was a brief period where, um, Alex was super mad at me for thinking that Luminati's was actually better than Geno's. It's not. Did you, were you also were you also going to Portillo's? We've had Portillo's a handful of times. Oh, you gave a look, man. I don't know if the family really likes the Italian beef. Okay, what about dude, the beef and cheddar croissant? You got to stay away from the chocolate cake tried shake, it. though, okay. because that will definitely help you with the uh, the added poundage. Um, is there an actual piece of cake in this uh, shake? So stay away from that. But the beef and cheddar croissant, way to go. Well, my my diet is significantly better now. I'm I'm in like the fifth month, I think, of a of a, a program workout program that I started. So my this diet is, is significantly good. better now. Um, nobody cares about that. <laughs> I care. Um, here's, here's devil. Oh, we're going to get to see the green river. The river died green for, uh, for St. Yeah, Patty's day. Yeah. We're going to get to see it this year. We're gonna get actually be Chicagoans. Is that the right word? 
Maybe the right word. You, know, you go down there and hang out by the river walk. There's so much stuff down there. Now. Yeah, it's great. And and they just lifted uh, COVID restrictions that have been in place for a while at, on March 1st. So we're going to actually get to, you know, it feels, feels a little bit normal again. This will be nice. Uh, anyway, um, Henrich and Reimer, Reimer had 109 tackles last year. Henrich had 99. So here's a devil's advocate to, you know, being concerned about inside linebacker because those guys are, have a have a checkered injury history. If you've got Randolph Kapai and you've got Hausman and you've got Seth Malcolm and some of those guys um, able to get more snaps this spring than what they would normally get if, you know, Henrich, Reimer, Snodgrass, all those guys are available. Isn't that good for depth development? Because those yeah. guys are, are seeing the field with – you know, first teamers or, or in significant situations that, you know, as significant as a spring period can offer. Um, wouldn't that be a good thing for, for building and cultivating depth? Yes. And, and yes, that should be a really good thing, actually, because now that when you say that, maybe also think about on the flip side of that with all of the competition on the offensive line and at running back, you're going to you're not going to get days off um, coming at you from the other side. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to get guys best effort every day because they're trying to stay claim to playing time, too. Um, and so, yeah, that's that should really help those guys. Lots of positions up for grabs. Yes. Which. Could be really good or really bad. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it's really good for us uh, because there's a lot of interest, Excellent. a lot of things to write about, a lot of storylines to to parse over and think about. I am thankful for that because I did not think that this spring was going to be like that. After you told me at the Iowa game that uh, this spring would be so interesting and we'd be we'd have so much to to discuss and people would be interested in it, um, I would have called you crazy. So. I am thankful for all the change. Spring is always interesting, Craig. Spring is 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 new hope. Spring breeds hope. <laughs> it hope does. And and optimism and and all that fun stuff that sells papers. We get to pump sunshine. <laughs> I was just gonna say, are now are we dispensing the Kool-Aid? Is that that what happened right now? No, no, don't don't use the K word. We're pumping okay. sunshine. Pumping sunshine. sunshine. Okay. Would we ban that word on the pod? <laughs> I don't want to get accused of anything here. Good, good. Because I did, I did say in this podcast, I did explicitly say that someone sucked last year. So I don't think, and that, and that, and I immediately felt like, man, that was kind of harsh. But you know, it it is what it is. Um, anything else defensively that you want to hit? I don't think so. I think we've we pretty much well covered it. We covered all three levels. Yeah, they got. I mean, they got interesting, interesting subplots at all three levels. So. <laughs> And they've got, you know, they like you said, they've got guys fighting for jobs on the offensive line and at running back. So that'll help interior of the defensive line. That'll help linebackers. And then they've got, you know, they've got some um, interesting, promising, whatever word you want to use to call it, pieces at at uh, pass catcher. So that'll, you know, that'll help you when you're trying to build a secondary. So it should be a, a fruitful spring period for Nebraska. Greg. I'll let you go with that. Thank you so much for uh, for giving some time and coming back. Hey, thank you for having me. Go get the Portillos. Have a cheat day. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to um, Michael Jordan Steakhouse uh, for, for anniversary dinner, so that's my oh, cheat day. Okay. The, uh, right. the, Doing like, it right. The garlic bread with the, the fondue, the cheese fondue. Whew. It's so good. We actually could just have that 
as our entire meal. Just have two orders of that appetizer as our entire meal. We've talked about it before, but the steak is too good there. Um, funny story, I, not to not to keep you, but funny story. We were walking past Jordan Steakhouse and listening to the people that were walking behind us. And this was, you know, months ago. And there were these these two ladies behind us and they were talking and they're like, do you think that that is actually owned by the basketball player? Or do you think that it's just someone that had the name Michael Jordan and thought, Hey, I can capitalize off of this and just opened a steakhouse. And it was the most incredible conversation I think I've ever heard. Like I'm so happy to live in a big city now where I can just walk around downtown and listen to idiotic conversations behind me and just find entertainment. That's an all timer. Like that's really, that's, yeah, sure. Yes. The random Jordan. It was um, incredible. It's a wildly incredible steakhouse. Or yes. Wildly successful steakhouse. Nice. That just happens to have all, all manner of Jordan memorabilia inside. Yeah. He, just, he just wanted it. He do it in Chicago too. Like, yeah. Still, yeah. 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 And it was like, it, I think it was the basketball. Like, they didn't even talk about like goat Jordan. They're like, I think there was a basketball player that played at Chicago here. Or was it somebody else? It was it was an all-time conversation. So that's rough. That's rough. Big city life, man. Nothing like it. Um, that's it, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks to you guys for listening. Shouts to Cam for producing this episode every week and to you guys for continuing to listen. Appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave a five-star review. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Hoda Media Production.